This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. First West Durham's on the links. That would be Matt Schick. Yes. A gentleman that the last time he was here alerted me after the show. <laughs> he was allergic to dogs. That's right. Since then, we bought a dog, Pack. So I'm just going to offer a, a peace offering right out of the gate. Uh, if you've built up enough immunity, I will take Chester and Fuller and put them upstairs. If, if you're comfortable, I'll leave them here. No, you're, I think we're totally fine. your call. Look, I want to be a nice host. This is your world. This is your basement. I agreed to come in. I know what I'm getting into when I come into this thing. I think it's all fine. I, I, I would like to think that there has been some immunity built up and that we're going to be okay. If I break out into hives, it's just radio. Those on TV will be fine. Well, you know, I will say the, the, the first time you were here in the basement, and I remember you sweating profusely, and I was like, I, no, I was just nervous. Well, no, I didn't know you're not nervous. <laughs> this is goofy television for crying out loud. There's nothing to be nervous about this. But you, you were sweating profusely, and um, you, you looked like you had hay fever. And I, I was like, well, I hope Matt's okay. And you know, of course, we were going through a, a period of time with who knows with illness and sickness right. and everything else. And then I find out afterwards, you said, you know, pack them allergic to dogs. And I felt awful because I was like, dude, all you had to do is tell me because I'll take Chester and Fuller. And I know they're the real stars of the show, but I would have put them upstairs for at least a couple hours to protect you. And then I, I really felt awful. Well, and that was the goal is to make you feel bad. after, <laughs> And that's why I said that after the show. No, it was it was fine. I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to not a confrontational person. Like I will suffer and sacrifice and then I will, you know, bear the cross and walk out to the car and leave and go to the doctor. And I, I just don't want you to feel bad. I don't like people feeling bad. That was your, your, your dogs, your set, your basement. I'm good. All I'm right. good. Let's go. Well, the, the fact, though, that your family said, hey, we're in for a dog shortly thereafter your appearance on the program, I, I thought was telling to me. And I've not met your whole clan yet, but I was like... I now get it that they're like, hey, we're going to put dad in our back pocket here. If he survived three hours in Packers That's basement right. with Chester and Fuller, we could certainly They get- were watching that morning going, how's he doing? <laughs> he looks fine. Okay. All right. Get the foster dog up. Yep. We're getting that. Get that rescue on the phone. Let's get love one it. here. I love it. Uh, first of all, it's good seeing you. Yeah. Great to see you, man. Uh, when I got back from Italy, man, I turned on the tube and man, you guys crushed it with college baseball. Crushed it. That was great. Squeeze play was great. Squeeze play was, uh, it's one of those things that is, it's a daunting thing because you know there's just going to be a lot of sitting, watching, navigating, figuring out who's playing in what game, what's happening, the situation. And then once you get settled in, it's just a great, great rhythm. And it's, I mean, the, the technical side of that, when you've got 16 regional sites up, and thankfully, we didn't have like seven rain delays. You know, it was just a couple that of sites happen. that dealt with it. Yeah. yeah. So, but we're, we're going from site to site and they're getting in your ears saying, hey, we got an update here. And so you're writing stuff down. You got stat broadcast windows up to the yin yang up on your uh, Google Chrome. And you're you're just trying to keep your, your head on a swivel, but keep your sanity during this whole thing. And it's something that you could easily screw up. I mean, you could... We were talking about it afterwards. Like it's it's fun to have it out there, but you still need to put on a good product. And it's it's one of the things that we do that gets the most positive uh, feedback and the most social engagement to it. I mean, people were using the hashtag Squeeze Play. They're reaching out to us, and we would have quad boxes up. And I made the reference that usually in the past we'd do a quad box and then maybe go to a game. 
we would sit on a quad box for maybe three or four hours because you just couldn't decide what game to go to. So like, eh, we'll, we'll just kind of treat this like red zone or, you know, your your DirecTV uh, football Supermax package where they have all the games up. We're just going to do that here, and we're going to talk over it. Mike Rooney and Chris Burke are as knowledgeable and engaging of, of baseball personalities. You can tell they just love it. And Mike Rooney, we brought in Chris Burke this year to give Mike Rooney some rest. I mean, that was really the sole purpose. Mike, you're on the desk for 12 hours a day. Former Notre Dame uh, player. Let's let's just take a seat. And he said, Berkey, great to, great to have you here, and I'm going to stay here with you. So they were both on the set for 12 hours, and they were the Iron Men of this whole thing. It was fantastic. It was like watching sports, watching baseball with your buddies. And, and by the by all accounts, that's how fans felt. Well, that's too. how it comes across. And yeah. you guys do a great job. I mean, I love it when you said that, you know, hey, you got four games going on. What could go wrong? To me, that's when television is fun, when things can go wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because how many times do you sit there at home watching a, a talk show or whatever, and something you know – goes off script and you're like oh oh what 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 disaster could possibly to me that's always the fun part of that edge that hey you got four things when you're juggling constantly and you know at some point in time the ball is going to drop and you know how quickly can you get everything together and you mentioned the rain delays and here's the other thing the games have been so great and the home run is back in college baseball i mean everybody seems like they can rake this side of south bend indiana where all the pitching was right, <laughs> right. when they only gave up what seven runs or whatever the case may be but it's just been great stuff. And it does go to tell you, I think, that college baseball fans are clamoring for this, right? It yeah. just seems like maybe college baseball doesn't get the national love until we get to this term. Uh, I agree. I, I think I think even softball gets more love and more promotion yeah. uh, than college baseball and there's no during knock the on, season. And no knock on softball because it's rocking. It should it should get a lot of promotion. Right. But I think I think baseball merits uh, some more as well uh, because it's and I get it. The the season's a slog. You know the game. You could say the game isn't as exciting. Uh, the game does drag on a little bit. You can get three and a half, four hour games. Maybe we should think about run rules in baseball to kind of move this thing along a little bit. Especially well, you don't in the like twenty nine, fifteen games. And you know huh? the field goal was missed. I mean, we got to we got to <laughs> move this along a little bit, especially for those hosting squeeze play. Let's let's keep it going. But when you get to this stage. And there were some folks who maybe didn't know the regionals were going on or didn't know they kind of stumble upon squeeze play or stumble upon a game. And that was about as good of a weekend of college baseball as as we've seen. And you're trying to rank these weekends, and squeeze play was outstanding. And the regionals were great. Yeah, and the super regionals are set, needless (laughs) to say. We're going to cover all of this today. Again, number for the show is 844 Say ACCN. That's 844-SAY-ACCN. Look at this. I got my sunglass tan. You see that? Like, look at that. Well, you know white. what that is? Look at that. I, let me tell you what that is. Sunglass that, tan. That's baseball tan. No, no. That's not that at all. You know what that is? That's the first stage of being allergic to dogs. Um, <laughs> you, you, get, you, you get this direct line from the corner of your eye to your ear, and it turns oh, green by the third hour. Right. So be sure, be, to, be sure to join the Power Hour to see what Matt Schick looks like after three hours of being allergic <laughs> to dogs. Um, you know, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and we're going to brag a little bit, and then we're going to work backwards on baseball. But the ACC uh, has had great success. When we start talking about since 2015, I and mean, that's when Virginia won the national championship in baseball. But when you start talking about college football, uh, you're talking about men's and women's hoops, you're talking about baseball and softball, the ACC is the only conference in America that has won the national championship in all of those sports since 2015. Is that right? 
Now, there is a bar. Wow. That's what I call a bar bet. So since 2015, football, men's and women's basketball, softball, and baseball, since 2015, there's only one conference in America that's got hardware in every one of those sports, and that wow. would be right here in the Atlantic Coast Conference. All right. Uh, Clemson, yep. football. A couple times. Uh, Virginia, basketball. Yeah. Virginia, but okay. Oh, here now we, we have it. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was trying to guess. They guys. were reading I mean, your mind. I was trying mind. to guess. I was trying to go through it. <laughs> All right. All right. Men's hoops. Yeah. Virginia, Notre Dame women's hoops. Okay. Yeah. McGraw, Virginia baseball. Brian O'Connor, Virginia, uh, Florida State softball. Yeah. Honey Almeida. That's right. Winning it a few years ago. That's an amazing. We should promote that. Uh, I think we just did. Uh, (laughs) It it just is more when when you can bring the hardware. You like that? I'll be here all week. Thank you. That's great. It just is more when you have uh, the belt in all those. But uh, we'll see what happens from a baseball perspective. And you talk about squeeze play. uh, The Super Regionals are set. And, boy, the number one seeds beat their chest over the weekend. We got 11. Right. 11 one seeds. 11 one seeds. Of the 16 are still left. I mean, it really does set the stage, though for what should be a really remarkable Friday, Saturday, Sunday combination. It's going to be great. I mean, the, the regionals, you can always you always go into it going, okay, who's that regional four seed or the three or the two that can maybe give some trouble? And there were a handful um, that did that. UConn looked good against Maryland. LSU gave Southern Miss a really good test, thought yep. they were going to win. Uh, but then you get down to it. I mean, you know, Notre Dame and what they might be able to do pitching and defense wise against Tennessee. Good luck. Louisville, yeah, right. Louisville Godspeed. Louisville escapes, you know, got some a controversial call that, that certainly helped them in the end, but they beat Michigan and now they go to Texas A and M, which I mean, I, I think is a fairly vulnerable top eight national seed and Louisville does a lot of good things. Why do you well. say that? So uh because of how they were how they were tested there in that in that regional uh, I think they're a good team, but I think Louisville does more things well. It'll be interesting to see how they handle the environment, but they're an experienced group. I know they weren't there last year uh, in the tournament, but uh, there's something about this Louisville team that, that makes you feel pretty confident about them going into to College Station. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they, you know, how, how they navigate on the mound and, and Poland, they pitched off in their regional. I don't know if they'll do that here on a Friday Super, but it's uh, they've got the pitching, they got the defense, they can score enough runs. Be a little concerned about how they looked against Michigan, but they they found themselves a little bit, got a little help, like we said. But um, I, I like Louisville's chances against Texas A&M. I do. All right, how about the Virginia Tech? They're kind of a feel good story, right? Been a great story all season long, baseball wise. Get a chance to host a Super Regional for the very first time. Here comes Oklahoma to town. Uh, it's a four seed and a nine seed in terms of the national seeds. Uh, but, man, alive. You're talking about a team that could flat out rake. I mean, Louisville's been red hot with the bats. Virginia Tech's been doing their thing. I think that's going to be a great season, a tough ticket. I, I do, too. I, I think the only thing about Virginia Tech, I would have liked them to see uh, Gonzaga in that regional. Like, that, they got through it without having – they played Wright State in Columbia. It didn't have to face Gonzaga. And Gonzaga was one of those teams that I thought – had they gotten it right, could have made Virginia Tech sweat a little bit with their pitching and, and just an all-around really good team. was in line to be a host throughout much of the year. But what Virginia Tech did and the number of runs they put up, I mean, they're just a nice-looking team. And their offense was just – I mean, they had a 14-run inning, I mean, at one point. They were scored just, 46 runs in three games. Yeah, so I – 
I feel a little, uh, I guess if you're thinking about it, it's great that they're hosting. I think Oklahoma, the way they got through that Gainesville regional, no no one's playing better than Oklahoma right now. I mean, there's just the momentum that they have going into the, the season, going into the postseason, won that Big 12 tournament. They go into Gainesville. There's a five-and-a-half-hour rain delay. They're down 2-1 in the seventh, and they come back and win it. Uh, Peyton Graham is a, is certainly a bat to watch. They got enough pitching. Uh, that, that, I think, to me is going to be a lock-it-in, three-game Super Regional, see what happens on Sunday. Because Drew, Drew Hackenberg, I mean, they, he's – you know, it looks he's been looking a little off. We'll see how he does down the stretch here in the Super Regional, but uh, that's going to be a must see TV. Uh, Ryan Matz of Virginia Tech will join us in the Power Hour, nice. and by then uh, the dark green will be filling right. in on the face that's of right. uh, <laughs> Matt Schick with the uh, dog problems. But uh, by the way, Scott Forbes, the uh, coach at North Carolina, will join us around nine thirty this morning, and North Carolina gets Arkansas. He didn't get suspended for this show. No, right? no, he's, no he, he's allowed to be on this show. That was the deal. He, he either could t- have to appear on this show or take a two-game suspension. He said, you know, Packer, Durham, that's a problem. I'll take the two-game suspension and take my chances. So Forbes will be on with us around 930. But a great series, right? Arkansas coming off the big yeah. knockoff of OK State. And uh, the Heels and Arkansas combined for 20 Super Regionals in their history. So these are two power programs. That'll be a great series. I used to joke uh, about Mike Fox that he should have leased an apartment there uh, right outside Rosenblatt Stadium on 13th Street in Omaha because they were there every single year. And now you've got a Dave Van Horn who, in terms of most Omaha trips, I think he's top three active or top four active coaches right now. So I'm... That, that is one of those uh, Super Regionals as well, much like the Oklahoma-Virginia Tech, where Arkansas, if you're Oklahoma State and you're in that regional with Arkansas, Chris Burke put it best after the game, after Arkansas won the regional. He's thinking, if you're, if you're Oklahoma State, you're thinking, Arkansas, why couldn't you be more consistent during the year? Right. Because you shouldn't be here. Right. You should not be in this ballpark. They had the talent to be a regional host. They had a talent to be a top eight seed. They wound up going on the road, and now they're playing like it. So if I were North Carolina, I'd be a, a little leery of that because Arkansas is finding itself. But they just went through, it felt like a seven-game series with the number of games that they felt like they had to play and the number of runs that they put up there. Um, if, you're, if you're making a list of like top five supers and ones that should go three games, I'd have Virginia Tech, Oklahoma on there. I would have North Carolina, Arkansas on there because I think I think Arkansas is going to be a pretty tough out uh, for North Carolina. Uh, we didn't go into great detail with Notre Dame and Tennessee. Tennessee's the number one team in college baseball, yeah. right? They've kind of proven it all season long. They've been dominant. They play in a great ballpark. They got swagger. They go yard. They got the whole their, their whole package. However, the last time the number one overall seed. Won the national championship in baseball was 1999, which will lead to a segment coming up here in a second about how difficult it is to win this tournament. Uh, if you're Notre Dame, though, great pitching, small ballpark. Tennessee's been phenomenal at home. They've only lost three games. Uh, can they finagle away? Do they have enough pitching, or will that even matter against a team like Tennessee? Can, you hold, can you hold Tennessee to five runs or fewer? Can you hold them to six or fewer? Can Notre Dame score? They scored 11 in their regional. Can they score 11 in a game? Um, It's an uphill climb here. I'm not going to spin this thing otherwise. Nobody's real excited about playing Tennessee. Notre Dame probably should have been a host, right? Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is not one of those unseated darlings. And they went into Starkville last year and gave Mississippi State a run, and Mississippi State goes on to win the national championship. So they've they've been in environments like this. 
But man, that it, Lindsey Nelson, that ball just flies out of there. And that team, even when they're down four three or four two in the ninth, like well, just a matter of how they're going to win, like to Georgia Tech, how they're going to win, not if. And so uh, there have been, there hasn't been a team like Tennessee uh, in a very long time. And I think a lot, there's a lot of baseball analysts. I know Kyle Peterson has said this might be the best team we've ever seen. And so to go in there, I I give Notre Dame, you, you give me, you know. A, on a percentage thing, I would give them maybe a 10% chance, 15% chance to win this region. So I'm saying there's a chance, super, I'm saying there's a chance. Uh, if John Michael Bertrand can kind of do what he did this weekend, if they can get enough, if they can get enough hitting, uh, they play good defense, they have good pitching, but there are no breaks in this Tennessee lineup, man. And as, as long as those young studs on the mound get it going, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, that ball's going to be flying out of the yard. Uh, but Mike Rooney says, hey, I, I love Notre Dame, and I, I think they have a shot, but it's going to be a, yeah, an uphill climb. All right, we're going to get into this uh, further as the day and the week goes on. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Matt filling in for West Durham was on the links. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, when we come back, though, we're going to discuss this bad boy. It's called the College World Series. Why is it so hard to win this tournament? Is it the most difficult one to win? We'll get into it. Matt Chick, Mark Packer, it's Packer and Durham. That's right here on the ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, that's it. They're the culprits right there for the uh, sweats, cold chills, fever. I tried to put some makeup on during the break just to because I was glistening on this forehead. I mean, as the older you get, I mean, look at look at that glisten right there. It's just bouncing, it's bouncing off of that. The hair's getting thin. Look at these thin lines right I got there. News for you. Let, oh, let me. Heck, do you ever deal with thinning let hair? Me, let me help. Let me help you about the the hairline deal. <laughs> let me tell you how this. Let me tell you how literally this is how it works. I am so ready for it all to be gone because I spend not one cent on shampoo. I don't worry. I don't even. I don't even have a comb. It just you roll out of bed. It is what it is. What does SVP say? Come on home. That's come it. On home. That, you just know what? I'm not going to shave it all off. I'm just going to let it naturally fall out. But I don't good, worry though. about any of that nonsense. See, that looks good though. I mean, you're not pretending to be someone you're not. It right. just is what it is. Right. You know I, I am not going hair dye on you. I'm not doing any of that nonsense. I think it's the whole thing. If if you've reached that point in life, I mean, you need to check yourself. So I, I'm just like, hey, it is what it is. You're that's lucky right. I tucked my shirt in. It's the that's, natural process. That's it. You're, right. you're lucky I have pants on for this show, to be honest with you. Yes, I'm very fortunate. That's exactly right. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, the question is, is the College World Series the most difficult tournament to win with the NCAA? Now, you can't throw football into the mix, all right? Just give you the heads up. We're talking about NCAA tournaments. Yeah, it's, yeah, they've outsourced that. You're right. That's not, not that's not part of the conversation. I, I said this yesterday. I think it is. I think this is the most difficult tournament to win. And I just gave the stat a second ago. When the overall number one seed has not won the event this century, what does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to go against that. Plus, it's just the game of baseball where – you know, in, in basketball, it's you'll have your Cinderellas, but then once you get to the Final Four, once you get to the National Championship, it's Blue Bloods, it's teams that have won it before. But in baseball, as you move along, winning those four-team regionals, 
how's your pitching depth? And it's baseball, right? I mean, it's not strength on strength. It's not guys in the trenches. There's not, they're not banging in the post. It's pitching, catching. The game doesn't change, right? No you, matter who you're playing, you can have bad days. You can have bad days. You can have a, a guy seeing the ball well. You can have a pitcher who just doesn't have it, and then it it the domino effect of that for the rest of the weekend impacting your staff because he can't get out of the third inning. You can have a bad call. You can have a bad call or six, or or you can have a good call that goes in. It's. I would say that in that 1999 stat is pretty amazing. The last number one overall to win it was the first year they went to this format. That's right, Miami in '99. And um, I think it was just trying to th- to me for the argument again. You, we're going to put take yeah. phone calls to it eight four four say ACCN. But just try to think of another sport where the top team, the team to beat that particular year, doesn't win it. I mean, when that happens for a singular singular moment, single season. Mm-hmm. You kind of go, wow, that's kind of crazy. How about every year in baseball? Every year. Look what happened to Arkansas last year. No doubt. Prohibitive favorite. No doubt. Nebraska nearly took them in the regional. Then they go to the Super. NC State. They blow out NC State 21-1, to whatever it was, and they lose the Super. At home. At home. It's baseball. There's the reason that phrase is, that's baseball. You could say that about it live. I got into a car accident. Well, that's baseball. You know, I mean, baseball is Shit random. has hives. Well, yeah, that's, 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 that's actually packs dogs. That's, <laughs> that's not baseball at all. That's pack being selfish with his dog. Um, no, but it's, I I mean, you could throw college softball into the mix, but I think by and large, you know, you get to, you get to Oklahoma State. If you have a dominant team, they're likely going to, to win that that series it looks like oklahoma is going to do that we'll see how they do against texas but uh yeah i'm with you it's hard to like you think about volleyball yeah that's that's tough but there's you know there's a handful of teams that have really asserted themselves you know over the past yeah, texas so you a stanford a louisville looks like they're moving up with danny Buzzboom kelly um but even in college football and i know this is probably yeah. a terrible example but while we've got this college football playoff era when we have the top, what we perceive to be the top four teams. And for the most part, the committee's gotten the four right, right? Whatever the order is, is up for debate. But the four teams, for the most part, are the four teams. How many times is the one one? Number one seed one. It's not been many. I would say out of all the postseasons, that's the toughest to get into. Yeah, right. Uh, but once you're in it, you only have to win two games. I mean, if you're not Alabama or Georgia or Clemson, I mean, you've got to beat those two teams, you got to beat them on successive weekends. That's it. You know, you got to beat, win those two. So, I mean, yeah, I'm. It's it's hard to go against college baseball because of the nature of the sport and the the number doesn't lie about 1999. All right, let's take. Uh, so we hit this uh, social media deal on this yesterday. We'll right. take phone calls to it. Eight four four say ACCN, and this will be a running theme throughout the course of the show. In addition to interviews and so forth. Uh, first things up though is John Lee, who sent in a. Uh, Message. He said he thinks it's hoops, NCAA basketball tournament. He goes on and says, uh, mostly when North Carolina and Duke are good, there's usually a third team, too, who's a massive underdog, except every single game is going to be extremely close, and you need to pound your way to get to the top. Survive in advance is hard. I don't disagree that it's difficult, but I'll go back again. The number one overall seed 
How often does that happen in college hoops where that team ends up winning the national championship? We need a stats person on that. I mean, we need uh, we need a number on that. I mean, where's Jeremy Mills? I know he's doing baseball right now, but we need we need something on that. I mean, yeah, it's, but it's not what baseball's number is. That's my point. Correct. I mean, this century, the century, we're, we've got a whiff of nothing but K's in terms of hey, is the number one team going to win it all? Uh, not yet. I haven't seen it. It feels like like look at Gonzaga this past year, right? In NCAA basketball. I mean, you feel like okay, this is the year. And then they get tripped up. I mean, go to the Big Ten side. Purdue, they have good teams. They do not make it to the Final Four. How about I mean, the Big Ten period? Point. Yeah. 2000's the last time they won a national That's championship. where I was going to go with you. And I know you do a lot of Big Ten work yeah. here. But my point is that league has been so good, so consistent, so deep mm-hmm. for the entire century. And you're talking about Tom Izzo 22, 23 years ago. Last time they cut down the net. When he had brown hair. Right. right, he's now looking in the mirror going, geez, I got a Packers problem. What's going on here? It's true. I mean, I, if you're doing a 1A, 1B, the NCAA tournament, I guess it depends on what kind of program you have and who you are and what the expectations are. Um, but, you know, number one overall seed, if you're a number one seed in the, in the basketball tournament, you are almost penciled in to the Sweet 16 right away. We have five of the number one seeds, quote unquote, that didn't make it to the round of 16. That's right. Here in college baseball. Exactly right. Uh, Some more social media. Ed wrote in and said, uh, boys, I believe it is wrestling. Now, I've never been to the NCAA wrestling championship. I heard it is fantastic. Right. I heard it's fantastic. But he says, uh, think of it as needing eight of ten guys in the top ten. It's like having 16 football players drafted in the first four rounds or eight baseball players drafted in seven rounds or four basketball players drafted in two rounds. You need incredible talent across the board, across the team to win it all. He's going wrestling. All right. I can buy the wrestling. I guess I I think about it as how many elite-level programs are competing to get to that level. You know, you think about the number, you know, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Iowa. You know, you could go down the list, but I'm not sure that that list expands past 10. That's just my average wrestling fandom, thinking out loud about how many teams are actually competing for national championships. Where baseball is a lot deeper. Baseball is a lot deeper and a lot more, I would say, competitive near the top top and mid-level where – you know, you you get to a wrestling thing, you're not thinking about a team like, oh, Gonzaga could get to Omaha. Gonzaga could do – that's not going to happen. You kind of know what the numbers tell you. The numbers tell you when this – you know, when you get to the NCAA wrestling tournament, who's got the chance to win the championship? Who are those top three or four teams? And they're likely going to win because this guy's beating this guy and this guy has, you know, two falls or none at all this season. This guy's, you know, great – I'm trying to use wrestling terms pack, and I'm stumbling over it. But the point being, you get to the wrestling side of it, wrestle backs. They do wrestle backs. Is that, that something I should be? I, pack, I, pack, I, I, pack I think, tell me more about wrestling. I, I, I'm worried about whatever mascara you put on during the break. I, know, I think like, it's going is, right to your brain. It really is. Like, I got it. This, this, line, this line is still there. Look at that. The sunglasses I wear are just too big. Just way you, too big. You, you, know, you know what it is? Now that you are a little league softball manager, and baseball and softball, yeah, baseball, and incredibly successful, <laughs> I think this is what's starting to happen to you. 
I mean, the, the TV thing is one aspect yeah. of your life. Yeah. Getting over the dog syndrome is another thing, not to mention the fostering that you did with the family. <laughs> but now that you've become a, a world-class manager yeah, from a baseball-slash-softball perspective, and you got the line thing going on, I, you know, you got a whole different dynamic than the last time you were here. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of clutter in the attic um, up here as you try to – I mean, I'm – you know, trying to think about, you know, do I put this kid at shortstop? Do I put him in the outfield? We got an all-star tournament coming up here in Charlotte uh, this you work weekend. with Rooney it. and Burke. I mean, could that not be a quick quick text? Or you're sitting on the third base line. Hey, Rune, I got the situation there. My lefty can't bat, can't play dead in the cowboy movies, batting a buck sixty-five in the league this year. What do I do with this guy? Can I stick him in right field and hope I, a ball never comes his I, way? What are we doing? I did ask Chris Burke. Um, you know, we were at the at the hotel, and I was in the in the gym, you know, benching 425. Right, and that's part of it. Yeah, Chris Burke walks in. You know what the problem with benching that much weight? What happens? Mm-hmm. Lose your hair. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Tell me about it. So the uh, – you wouldn't know what that's like. Uh, but so – and I asked him. I said, uh, Burke, give me your best infield drill. I mean, this is talking about an all-star guy who's right. just was a great, great player, the Astros and the D-backs. And uh, – I asked him, give me, give me your best infield drill. And he went for like a half hour just sitting there. It saved me from working out, which was outstanding. But we're sitting there, and he's just walking me through some drills I could do. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good for eight-year-olds. And Timmy could do that, and Johnny could do that. It's fantastic. So did you incorporate that? Uh, I will. I will. I did a little bit of it yet last night. We had a little bit of a scrimmage here in Charlotte, but uh, we'll we'll incorporate that. And when they say, "Where'd you learn this?" <laughs> just this hey, all star, you know, you know this this major league. It's what I do. It's <laughs> part of what I do. Uh, when we come back, we're going to switch gears. We'll take more phone calls and get in social media on the toughest tournament to win. I think it's baseball. I think Schick's green with that too. Uh, if you disagree, you can jump on board eight four four say ACCM. But when we come back, we're going football. And Ryan Day made a comment regarding name, image, and likeness in the real world of college football. We're going to get into this and have a discussion about roster management in college football. What does it cost? All that coming up. Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. ACC Network, Matt Chick filling in for Wes. You got the number at 844-SAY-ACCN. While I was uh, gallivanting around on, uh, across the pond. Great uh, pictures, by the way. Oh, man, what a trip. I mean, it's, I'm not huge on the, hey, look where I am, look what I'm doing stuff. But if you're going overseas, you have complete authority to do that. I, I just mean, wanted that to share. Just, yeah. I mean, that's, we're so spectacular. Was, I was like, I'm not going to show It was great. Are. I mean, I was living through you, man. I was just, uh, man, coaching Little League and watching you in Italy. I mean, that was uh, You know, what can I tell you? <laughs> uh, but while I was goofing around uh, in Italy, uh, we got done with the clown show with uh, Jimbo and Nick Saban going back and forth. Like I, I, I had some guy, this is no lie, Matt. I had some guy send me a note when I was in Italy. Hey, Pac, while you're over there, ask some of the locals what they think of the Saban Jimbo thing. I said, you know what? I, I will do that for you. I asked 10 Italians. <laughs> Who is Nick Saban and who's Jimbo? And nobody knew what I was talking about. Well, no, no. Como se dice? Como se dice? That was Spanish. I know. Uh, <laughs> where, what country were you? Maybe I was asking the wrong <laughs> question. 
Maybe that was the problem. Yeah, you were the saying, Italians, quién es uh, Nick Saban? Yeah, like, the Italians yeah. knew everything about it, but I was talking in Spanish. They're like, what's this goofy American doing? Uh, but no, while all that clown act was going on, uh, Ryan Day laid out some serious new. I thought that that was the first time I heard a coach give you the real deal in terms of, hey, let me bring you into the real world. Now, you know, Lane Kiffin has pontificated about NIL. Dabo Sweeney has. Nick Saban has said great stuff about NIL. But I've never heard a coach yet lay out that, hey, here's my budget. And when Ryan Day laid out, hey, 13 mil is what it's going to take to keep this roster. In I, I, to me, that might have been the most honest thing I have heard a coach say yet. Not to take a shot at anybody else because I'm not. But that was a real world. Here's the here's what we're dealing with. How about that number? Thirteen yeah. million dollars. And he's he knows what his recruits and roster and what they are getting in NIL, right? That's right. I mean, you're not. You know, these coaches aren't supposed to be ha- have their hands in the negotiations and hey, talk to this person. And that, but that's all a gray area, and that's where coaches live anyway. So he would know, and he's. He's a coach who's competing with Alabama, competing with Clemson, competing with the top echelon teams for high-level prospects. And it's not, it's not only about getting them on campus, but it's recruiting them annually once they're there, once they commit and sign, because everyone's a free agent at this time. And I think his statement just speaks to the, the lack of uh, care that anyone is giving to the sport right now no no one is care there's no caretaker for the sport right now and so you've got when you have a coach think about think about this like even two three five years ago if you would have said a coach is going to say this you're like where is this sport what happened and where are we exactly and now you go well i guess this i guess this makes sense it's the new normal it's the new reality and it's a reality because the ncaa has done nothing and now it's just Whatever it takes, make it happen. Uh, it does strike me as, um, I don't want to use the word like panhandling or stuff, but the fact that a coach has to say, here's what we need. This is kind of what Nick Saban was doing at that news conference or at that kickoff to the World Games where he said what he said. His statement was, I don't know how sustainable this is. He wasn't talking about the whole model of NIL. He was talking about how sustainable it is to not essentially purchase recruits right? because that's what he believes is going on. Right. And I thought what he said about what Nick Saban said about NIL was spot on. I thought he was absolutely mm-hmm. right. Now, where he crossed the line was taking shots at his own league, going, well, he bought every player. Now, if you want to get in specifics, he should have said, well, they gave this guy $2.3 million. He didn't do that. But, uh, but what he said about NIL was right on the money. But what Ryan Day said was even a dart right on the bullseye, that, hey, here is what my number is. And I thought that was refreshing as a fan, even with what we do for a living uh, from a media perspective, because very seldom, if ever, do you hear a coach mm-hmm. mention anything along those lines. They all speak in generalities about here's how we should change the, the landscape or whatever the case may be. And that's fine. I, I got no issue with that. But I appreciated Ryan Dane going, hey, my number's $13 million. $13 million. Probably nine of that would be for C.J. Stroud if he entered the portal. Whatever the case. But <laughs> you know, no, whatever, however you divvy it up is however you divvy it up. But that is yeah. the real number. I, I thought that was refreshing, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. It's eye-opening. It's stunning the, to hear a coach say it out loud. But that's the reality of the situation. And, and you hear the, the notion of, hey, if once a player – 
decides to use the portal, you can use it as leverage. And everyone has, everyone's got agents now. Everyone is, and it's okay. Everyone's got someone in their ear. Um, I'm surprised actually more high level prospects aren't going into the portal. Maybe they are just saying, Hey, if, if my client doesn't get this or here's what he can get somewhere else, can you make this happen or else he's going to go into the portal? Think about the number of players that could have gone in but didn't because their agent or liaison used it as leverage, as a bargaining chip to get more name, image, and likeness dollars. I think what we all experienced watching Jordan Anderson at Pittsburgh, yeah. what he just went through having a number one championship season, wins the Bolitnikoff. Here we go. Tag, you're it. Got an agent, whatever the case may be, and now off to the races he goes, the SC. Why would you not do that if you're a big-time player every year? I'm just talking out loud now. If I'm a star quarterback, star wide receiver, why not? I mean, I hate it as a fan because you want everything to kind of stay, hey, you're committed to the school, stay committed and do your thing. But if you really think about being, if it was your son who's 19, 20 years old, and he is a star player. I don't care what school he plays for. I don't care what his position is. You almost owe it to yourself to say, hey, I just had a great year. Uh, I'll go to the highest bid. Now, I may still stay at school X because I love the coach. I love my school. I love my teammates. And that's all fine and good. But you'd almost – I don't know how you could hold anything against anybody anymore by saying, hey, listen, they're going to all put their name in the hat at the end of a season – and the highest bidder wins. That's kind of where we are until yeah, there's not, some kind of rules of regulation. No, yeah, not with the way the rules are now. You can't fault the kid, which are no rules. That's right. Um, the, the Jordan Addison thing, that that situation. You know, as much as Coach Narduzzi gets bent out of shape about it, and I would too, because it's my guy, it's my player, and then oh, there's tampering, and my cynical reaction. Well, it's a good thing there's no tampering when coaches leave, right? No, that just happens organically, right? Even though they're under contract. Um, Jordan Addison, he sees his OC leave, he sees his quarterback leave, he sees his wide receivers coach leave, and his thought is, I need to put myself in the best position for the draft, and I can't let my stock dip. It needs to either stay the same or go up, and is it going to stay here with Keaton Slovis? I mean, I I don't know, and what's the unknowns about what this offense is going to look like? So it made a lot of sense for him to do what he did, and again, there are no guarantees. You think about how tough it is to project kids from high school to college, even from college to the pros. 90% of these guys are not going to pan out in the NFL, That's at exactly least. Right. And so you've got this four- or five-year window to capitalize on it. And some of these kids come from backgrounds where, I mean, who couldn't? I could have used some money in college. So you say, don't fault the kid, fault the system. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And right now the game needs a little bit of help, but at the same time, it's the new normal. We're all going to have to adjust, and Jordan Addison did what he felt was best for him, and that's kind of the world we're living in. Look out for yourself because no one's going to look out for you, so take care of yourself and, and financially so that you can, I mean, you could tear your ACL tomorrow, you could break your leg tomorrow and not have a career. Do you think more coaches will take a page out of Ryan Day's book and say, guess what, you know what? Because he mentioned $13 million for a reason. But that was like, hey, Ohio State fans, there's the bar. That's what you want us to have a championship team. That's what we're going to have to generate to take care of our roster. Isn't do you it think funny? more coaches are going to be able to do that? I think. I think, well, I think, I think they they're already doing it. I think they're just doing it privately. I think they're. I don't think you're hearing the numbers, but the coaches, they, they coaches will say, I don't know what's going on there. You do. There's just, in my judgment, there's just plausible deniability there. Like you, 
you know who needs to be recruited. You know with the collectives who they need to go after. It's not just the people you've offered. It's the people you've offered that are committable offers. Your collectives, they're, they're all in touch with each other, at least someone in the background on the periphery of the program. So they get it. They know that number. Uh, they know what it's going to take. And I think more coaches are probably saying that in the in the background of here's what we need and here's what it's going to take and it's it's a pretty eye-opening statement there but I think it also tells you that if that's the number for Ohio State to maintain a roster when they're already recruiting at a top five level think about what it takes for a team that isn't Ohio State right that is a you know, think about in the ACC, like a Pittsburgh, like a Wake Forest, like even a North Carolina. Like, what does that take for programs that aren't in that top 10, top five blue chip prospect level? I th- That to me is really where you get an idea of the line of demarcation between the haves and have nots. Ohio State needs that much money. We can't even pl- pay our staff that total amount of money or our, you know, our assistants or our defensive assistance that that kind of money and they're talking about paying their roster that money we have no shot yeah well well you can well your only shot is to say guess what we've got to do a brilliant job recruiting to who we are and developing our kids that want to be here get an education and we'll take our chances but that we need is to play money ball yeah we well, need to play money that's ball. exactly right yeah. uh quick break we come back we'll discuss this more too at 844 say accn if you want to jump on board uh when we come back uh, cameron masterman joined us yesterday he went yard in the yes, eighth to did. beat michigan and he has been raking in the regionals they get ready for a&m talking louisville baseball when we return on acc now the packer and durham podcast This is the Packer and Durham podcast. Packer and Durham, yesterday, Cameron Masterman from Louisville joined us on the program. We got right to it. Man, a crazy, wild, come-from-behind win against Michigan, and he talked about it. Great arms, um, you know, talented hitters. Um, you know, they're very tough. You know, they, they showed their grit coming back you know, from that seventh spot in the first inning. Um, yeah, they, they just they came out swinging after that rain delay, and, uh, you know, they gave us a run for our money. Well, Cam, walk us through that rain delay a little bit because it's part of the story. We're talking about you know, if that game is a novel, that's a chapter, the rain delay. So how, how do you guys stay busy, and how do you make sure that you come out ready to roll after that long delay? Yeah, for sure. You know, We knew the rain was coming. Uh, we didn't know when it was going to hit, but we knew it was coming. So that's why I wanted to jump out on top early. Um, and during the during the rain delay, just you know, guys stay relaxed and, and comfortable, and, and but you know, stay focused. Um, you know, we didn't know when the game was going to restart. Uh, you know, when the rain was going to pass through. But you know, I thought we did a good job. You know, going down the locker room and staying focused. Um, you know, unfortunately, we we did uh, get a couple of runs there in the middle section of the game. But uh, I thought we did a good job of answering back late. And um, I'm just glad that you know we we showed our toughness and our grit. By the way, the, the two-run blast in the eighth, the, the second it leaves your bat, you know that thing's gone, don't you? I mean, you, you, just, you, you just watch it. He was like, man, forget it. That thing's going to land in my backyard. That was a bomb. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely know I got all that one. Um, you know, I honestly, I just went numb. All I remember doing is sticking my hands up and then looking at the guys in the dugout. Um, it was just, you know, one of those swings where – 
You just know it's gone off the bat. Well, Cam, you got to be careful because you know if you do that again, I think the home plate umpire might start pushing you, pushing you down the first baseline. I don't know if you saw that in the Greenville Regional with East Carolina, but you had dudes going full-on bat flip, and for some reason the home plate umpire decided to give one of them a little encouragement down the first baseline. Do you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Um, you know, I've seen it happen in the past, but uh, it's just one of those things, you know, every umpire is different. Um, you know, credit to that kid from Eastern Carolina. You know, that was that was a nice little home run he hit, a nice little pimp job. But, you know, I, they are what they are. I, I think if you hit a ball that far, you can kind of show off a little bit, but in a little bit of a respectful manner. You know, we kidded around about the fact that you guys scored all 11 runs yesterday with two out. You've played a lot of baseball in your life. I mean, that key, two out hits, always important in any game. But I don't remember ever seeing a number like that before. 11 runs all with two out. That's insane. Yeah, you know, that's, that is insane. Um, you know, the first game against Michigan in the regional, we, we struggled with two outs. And, uh, you know, that's something that offensively we preached, you know, the next couple of days. Uh, is getting those big-time hits, you know, two outs, and that's how you win ball games. Coach Max built a great baseball program at Louisville. Uh, what is it about playing for him, Cam, that, that makes it so special? You know, he, he's just, you know, a great motivator and a, a great teacher of the game. Um, you know, he, he does a lot on the field, but also off the field. You know, he, he makes us, he lets us grow, you know, as individuals. Um, you know, for myself, you know, I feel like I've grown exponentially, you know, mentally physically uh, um, you know he's just a great a great leader and you know I mean I can't even put into words what what he does for this program and what he means for the city of Louisville what was his message to you guys when Michigan came all the way back and took the lead 9-7 how did he keep you guys calm he just said believe you know have faith in our faith um you know he 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 has full trust in us. You know, he, he told us this is the last time he's going to pull us together. I think it was, you know, start the seventh inning. Um, you know, going back to the fall, he's, he was preaching all fall that to win games, you have to win the last three innings of the game, the last segment. And, you know, we did that all season long. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny how things work. You know, you preach something all fall in, in spring training, and here we are, you know, backs against the wall, that final game of the season potentially. And we're in those last three segments, or last three innings is the final segment of the game. I tell you what I saw. I saw. I read his lips. He said, "Hey, Masterman, you gonna go yard on your last at bat or what?" That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, you know, he. Uh, I wish he would say something like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, he just needs to tell me, stay simple. You know, trust my ability. Don't try and do too much. Um, you know, hit, keep the ball off the L screen. You know, work the middle. So. Did you? By the way, did you give that some thought coming up to the plate? Maybe the last go round, and what was at stake? I mean, you couldn't have set a better case scenario. I mean, it was a perfect setting. Yeah, um, you know, I definitely, you know, and and then when I was out on defense, you know, I was thinking about different situations, different scenarios. Um, you know, I'm a senior, and you know, I didn't, I didn't want the the road to end here. Um, even for all the seniors on the team, like it was. It was a really special moment, and uh, I think it's just incredible that, you know, I was up there to the bat. Um, but like I said, you know, it could have been anybody, and I would have been just as happy, just as excited, probably even more excited that if it was somebody else that did it. Um, but it was just a surreal moment. I'm just glad that, you know, we got to pull through and get that W for the guys.
And the family vibe you guys have at Louisville is really cool. Earlier in the show, we had Lance Taylor, the new offensive coordinator for the football team on, and he gave you guys a mm-hmm. shout out. So that was pretty neat. But now it's off to College Station. You guys have a super regional to go win here against a really good A&M team, the number five overall seed. What can we expect? What's the schedule looking like as you guys head to that one? Uh, you know, we're going back right back to work today. Um, you know, we're t- taking it day by day. Um, but, yeah, you know, Texas A&M, they got a really good ball club. Um, that's going to be a great environment to play in. Um, you know, you're going to expect a you know, gritty Louisville team going down there, one that's sticking together, that's had their backs against the wall, and we got nothing to lose. Let's just go out there and play our game. Louisville A&M should be a great series coming up this weekend. Should be awesome. Uh, should be great. And like we said, you know, Schmelz, they had him uh, pitch off. They had him go Friday. Uh, Louisville did. And uh, it, was, it, it was interesting how that worked out. And, and we'll see what they do with Poland. I would imagine they'll, they'll throw him out there Friday against Texas A&M. But I just like Louisville's chances. And when you get a call like they got against Michigan, you get new life. You go to College Station. And he said – Nothing to lose. That's a great mindset to have. We have nothing to lose. There is zero pressure on Louisville when they're in College Station. It's like this show. Got nothing right. to lose. That's right. What are you going to do? Turn the mics on, see what happens. <laughs> We're still here. We'll be friends. We're down together. Gabby Sanchez joins us next, talks of baseball. We'll get into all four super regional series involving ACC teams coming up. You'll be good to go. Packer and Durham got Matt Chick filling in for Wes. You got the number. You know where we're going. Baseball coming up next right here. Packer and Durham.